take a look at your website, assuming their website is up and running, and say, what can I improve on the site? Can I improve descriptions that I have, whether it's my services or my products? Can I add more products? Can I add categories? What topics can I write about? What guides can I build? What case studies can I build? What recipes can I publish? I think this is a good time to factor that in and work on it simply because for a lot of people, they have more time at their hands and build that into your website because that will come and help you on the long term. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. That's Mazin from WebQuest SEO sharing some great advice about how you can improve your website's SEO results. Mazin is an SEO expert and a LinkedIn author and demystifies the complex world of SEO, aka search engine optimization for business owners around the world. If you are running an e-commerce business or are maybe thinking of starting one, then this is the episode you need to bookmark. Mazin has worked with over 100 websites across the Middle East and helps business owners all over the world in getting their website better ranked in Google. I have to admit, SEO has been a very complex term for me and I've never fully understood the value of SEO in my business. And that's exactly why I'm so excited to have Mazin on the episode today. Now, before we cue the music, I'd like to take a moment to read a five-star review from a listener of the Elevated Entrepreneur podcast. Krambalicious writes, On Target Content. Whether you're starting up a new business or already have an established one, this podcast gives great insight to specifics and inspires one in their journey to success. Thank you so much, Krambalicious, for this amazing review. You've made me so proud. If anybody else who's listening to this podcast would like to give me feedback or leave me a review, I would really appreciate that because it would help me get this show to be better. You can email me at hello at elevatedentrepreneur.fm or log into iTunes and leave me a review and I'd be happy to feature it right here. Again, thank you so much for that wonderful review and now let's cue the music. You're listening to the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast, a podcast designed to help retailers, restaurateurs, and entrepreneurs simplify business operations and use modern technology to elevate their business. Here's your host, Darren Batia. Mazin, thank you so much for being on the Elevated Entrepreneur Podcast. It's a treat to have you. Thank you, Darren. It's a pleasure. Thank you. I've been wanting to speak to you and talk about SEO. And I think this is a great opportunity because a lot of retailers and business owners are now going online and they really want to understand what is SEO, how can SEO help them. And that's what I want to cover with you today. But but before we do all that technical jargon stuff, I want to hear about you. Tell me a bit about WebQuest and how you got started. Sure. I've started in the space of SEO around just over six years ago. And the story behind that is I was part of a startup. I was a partner. There were three of us. We put a startup together in 2013 that focused on communications consulting here in Dubai. It was going pretty well, but the main founder decided to move back to the U.S., out of Dubai and back to the U.S. And towards the end of 2013, we decided to dissolve that partnership. But during my experience within the agency, 
I got exposed to SEO because it was part of the channels that we offered as part of the consultancy. You know, you do a whole deck of consultancy and you say, you have your social channels, you have your SEO, you have X, Y, and Z. And SEO appealed to me at the time. And I realized that there's a gap in the market in terms of people understanding it or having a deep understanding of it. So when we dissolved that partnership, I decided to jump into it on my own. And six and a half years later, I'm still doing it. It was an initial exposure, got me intrigued, decided to explore it. And then it just built on from there. So today, WebQuest has a full-time team of five. That's including myself and a couple of part-timers as well. So grown into six, seven people in this six-year span. That's amazing. And was not having any background in SEO, I'm sure there was a lot of learning to have been done. How has that happened for you? Is it something that you've done some courses on? Yeah, it's ongoing. I'm still learning. Once you get into the field, there is a very strong technical element. There is a strong communications element, a marketing element, an analytical element, and it changes really quickly. And when we say SEO, we mainly talk about Google in most parts of the world. Different parts of the world have different dominant search engines, but for the majority of people, it's Google. And it's always a fight between those who are trying to trick the system, those who are trying to spam the system, and then Google who counteracts that. So it's an ever-vicious cycle of you know, spam tactics, counteract, spam, counteract. And on the other hand, Google trying to evolve into an answer engine and not only a search engine, like an entity answer engine. So they want to have a searcher's experience stay on the platform or they answer most of the query as much as possible on the platform itself. So this is what you see in the last few years where, you know, you have the answers coming up on your screen in front of you, like the people also ask and the expanded boxes with short answers that are pulled off from other sites, etc. So that evolution is constant. And us as SEOs, on the other hand, have to learn, adapt, and know how to make the best out of the situation. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that answer, but I think I've become so used to going to Google and now getting my answer in that top box right at the beginning of the website rather than having to go into a website and then read. And now if I don't get that, I don't see that. I'm like, oh, this question must be wrong. I ask my question all over again. So I get that answer. It's so interesting you say that, that Google wants to become the answer engine and not a search engine. Yes. And that's why it's constantly evolving, right? It's not going to stop here. We're seeing also more and more growth in voice search. So people directly saying, hey, Google, and asking a question, and then getting the answer. And this is mainly on mobile devices, but that space is growing. And it also represents the challenge on the other end is how do we as SEOs adapt the websites that we work on for such an environment as well? Yeah. And I want to ask you a question about this whole idea of SEO in the UAE because you mentioned that people are doing a lot of mobile devices and a lot of people are asking questions. And I know you specialize in the Middle East region. Are there any figures that you've seen over the last six years that have really surprised you in terms of search, in terms of SEO? Well, we've seen things change. Things evolve, and it's interesting to see how they change. So on the one end, the rise of mobile device use over the last few years has changed that landscape. It differs from sector to sector. 
So look at, for example, websites that are offering gift services, for example. You see mobile make 70 to 80% of their traffic. But when you look at websites that offer B2B services, for example, advertising services or branding services or things that interest a business corporate, you see that desktop is still in the 50s range in terms of search and use for these websites. So it really differs from the sector. Other interesting stats is we've seen a growth. There wasn't much in terms of Arabic content and search behavior online for Arabic speakers. Those who were surfing would search in English mostly, but in the last five plus years, we see a growth in the youth of the Middle East searching more and more in Arabic and how platforms are adjusting to that in terms of providing content in Arabic. So you're seeing certain industries that are completely in Arabic, like fashion news and sports news and, of course, general news in common. But that's trickling down to e-commerce now and B2B, B2C services, which wasn't the case before, but definitely a space that's growing as well. Yeah, it's so interesting you mentioned Arabic SEO. And I know you're one of the leading experts in the Middle East in Arabic SEO because you do a lot of work for businesses and help them in specifically in Arabic SEO. Is Arabic SEO something that business owners should start looking into? What is your advice for someone who's just starting? So the trend is coming, right? So you can see it. Everything's moving online, regardless. Arabic, English, doesn't matter. So the online presence is only growing. The advantage of moving into Arabic at this moment in time is you get a head start ahead of everybody else. So in most cases, the English industries, because everybody's optimizing in English or has an English website, so it's more competitive or more crowded. But if you look at the equivalent in Arabic, in most cases, there isn't anybody out there who has the same content in Arabic. And I'm talking more on e-commerce and B2B or even B2C side. That's started to come up in the last two to three years, but it's definitely not as crowded as the English landscape for that matter. Okay, so I want to bring you back to Arabic SEO in a bit. I want to go back a little higher because we missed the whole part about what is SEO. You mentioned that SEO is driven primarily by Google, but maybe if you could help explain what SEO is, because sometimes it feels like a black box. (laughs) Sure. So we say SEO, it's basically the marketing tactic, digital marketing falls under the umbrella of digital marketing, and it's showing up for the right searches. So when people want to find something, whether it's a product or a service, or just when they're looking for information or research, they go to Google. They go to Google, they type in their query, their question, and they expect an answer. Now, a big chunk of those searches are information-based, meaning that people want to understand something or looking for information, a definition. There is no intent to transact, to buy, right? So they're just searching for information. Now, when you look at those kinds of searches and how people react, once they find the information that they're looking for, they're usually satisfied. If they're more interested, they dig deeper. But at the end of the day, SEO, someone like me's job is to make sure that a website shows up when a search is typed into a search engine that's related to what that website does 
or sells. Again, looking at searcher behavior, most people associate credibility and authority with top-ranking sites. It's just human nature. So if it's at the top five of Google, that means it's authoritative or it's what it's quote-unquote good. Most people don't bother going into the second page or the third page of Google. And if you're a business and you're not on that first page, then you're missing out on that opportunity to show up for that search. You're missing out on that potential sell simply because you're not being seen. Right. Interesting you say that because I think as people, we've become so spoiled again because of Google. Like you said, nobody goes to the second page. If I don't find my answer on the first page, it's either the question was wrong or I need to ask it better. And you're right, the first top five hits are really where you spend a lot of time. So how does a retail business owner who's just getting started or even a wholesaler or distributor, what does he need to do to become the top five? If I were to take a step back and see how SEO works, at the end of the day, Google ranks these pages on its results. It ranks them based on hundreds of factors. My job as an SEO is to understand these factors as best as I could. At the end of the day, that algorithm is a Google secret. Very, very few people know how it works from the inside. But that's where we come and do our research and learn and, and test things out. On a high level, that's how it works. So think of it as an accumulation of many small parts, many small signals that build up to say that your score is the best. That's why you're on top of that page. So how does that break down is there are many, many elements that go into how a website is evaluated. There are elements related to how the website is built, how fast it is, how well is the content written, does answer the questions the user is looking for? Does it publish content on a regular basis? Is it being talked about on other websites? Is it active? Are there other sites linking to it? So all this together compiles to help a website rank higher. Now, as a starting business owner, I think the best you could do when you're starting off is to think for the long term. So SEO is a long-term game. It's not something that you do once and then sit down and expect things to happen. It's just about being consistent with time and building it up with time. So what you could do if you're starting up is to choose a platform that's easy to use, that's fast, that's important, that's mobile-friendly, that's clear for end users. I'd also say plan on publishing content on a regular basis that should be a good starting point. That doesn't mean that you'll be ranking on top anytime soon, but think long-term because you want these elements to work for you on the long-term to help you rank higher and higher with time. Yeah, and I love that you hit the top three. One is think long-term. Second is have a platform that's easy but allows for clarity. And finally, third is content. Content is so important. And when you talk about platform, can you share some examples of platforms that you recommend for business owners? There's quite a few out there. I would say one of the most common platforms is WordPress. It's too common to a point that it's easy to find a developer to help you out if you're stuck. I think that's the beauty of it. It doesn't tie you to someone with specific technical knowledge, as opposed to going to build something from scratch. If you build a website from scratch, you're almost always bound to the developer that built that website. So if that person 
disappears or there's a fallout in the relationship, the business owner is pretty much stuck. And unfortunately, we see that happen every now and then. So I would say the first step is to choose a platform that is easy transferable if you need a developer. And a very important point to highlight here is as a business owner, you should be the admin to that platform. You own it. You have access to it. You set it up, or at least you have the account that sets it up. Because also, unfortunately, we see this often where a business owner outsources this task to somebody else, maybe someone on their team or another agency. And for whatever reason, that party disappeared. And the business owner is stuck, unable to access their own website, and it becomes a hassle from that point onwards. So WordPress is a good one. There are a bunch of others out there. So there's Squarespace, Shopify. Those are easy to start off with. Each has its advantages, disadvantages. And it also depends if you're moving into an e-commerce space or looking into a corporate website or anything of the sort. So each one has its pros and cons. Right. There's no silver bullet. And like you said, it depends on what you're trying to do. So let's talk about e-commerce because I think a lot of business owners these days are talking about e-commerce, you know, coronavirus has hit and retail as we know it is changing. People are not going to go in stores, but they're going to shop online. I think a lot of business owners are seeing an opportunity. So when a business owner who has been traditionally offline, he or she wants to go online, what are the things that they should look at? You talked about platform, you talked about long-term, but in terms of SEO, are there any quick hits, is it, or is it more thoughtful? So I think here it's very important to plan for the future if you're thinking e-commerce. So based on what you want to do and where you want to be, and of course your budget and time constraints, those factor into choosing the right platform. So I'd say, for example, Shopify is a good example of something that you can use to get you up and running very quickly. However, it's not a good choice if you're thinking about having shops in multiple countries or multiple languages. So if you want an English and an Arabic shop and you want to sell in the UAE and in Saudi, then having Shopify would be a pain simply because of how the backend works. But on the other hand, if you have, a let's say, 50 products and you're only planning on selling this in English, then Shopify would be a good choice to start because you can get that up and running very quickly. In terms of the details on what you can do, I'd say, you know, just have clear images, make sure that whatever you do shows up properly on the mobile because that's mainly how users are going to navigate your website, that it's relatively fast to load because if it's slow, people will just leave it and that your text and descriptions are easy to read and clear for users. Right. So I want to summarize because we went into quite a bit of details. The first one is platform, right? So you choose something like Shopify. If you're just starting out, you have a limited number of products and you want to get up and running quickly. When you have that, you obviously want to have good product images. You want to have fast loading websites. And I think if you're on Shopify, Shopify is going to take care of all of that because that's what they do. But can someone go straight to WooCommerce if they see the need, if they have multiple shops, like you said, they have some in the US, some in the UAE? So that's a different option. So next option is to have a WooCommerce, which is the e-commerce engine of WordPress. I think you need a little bit more technical knowledge to do this. So a startup business owner can learn how to do this if they have the time or inclination to learn. They can. If not, they might need the help of some developers. But the advantage with 
WordPress, I said, is it allows for scalability. It's much more flexible as a platform in terms of what you can do and customization. So Shopify has its limits in what it allows you to customize. WordPress, on the other hand, does not. It just depends on how good your developers are or how good you are in terms of development. And it's easy to scale up to a good, decent amount of transactions per day. So the scalability aspect is good there. And then you can apply multiple languages, multiple regions, etc. So that can be to your benefit on the long run. I think the analogy I can draw here is as you start looking into a bigger and more complex website, the need for a solid tech team becomes much more important. As a startup, I'd say Shopify is an option. WooCommerce is an option. If you're starting to look at a much bigger pool of products, multiple languages, multiple currencies, etc. At that point, probably having some tech team on board would become a necessity more than anything else. Got it. So I'm just starting out. I've just launched a Shopify website. Is it possible for me to switch in the future? Am I tied to this platform forever? No, definitely you can switch. The smaller the website, the easier the switch is. It's not difficult. You just need to be careful and make sure that every single product that you have on the old website has an equivalent page on the new website. Not only product, every single page. So that includes whatever blog posts you have or category pages that you have, maybe some case studies, testimonials, etc. So that is probably the most important thing to take, but the transition isn't difficult. Got it. Because I feel in a lot of business owners, they get nervous when they have to make a decision and they say, oh no, I can't go with Shopify because I've heard this and this. But I think the point that we want to make here is you could start with one platform and gradually ramp up as you get to learn the insides of e-commerce because it's a channel in itself. You can always move up and up. And you mentioned the word analogy. I like using analogies too. It's like buying a starter car, getting used to driving and then upgrading your cars. And obviously your skills will transfer too and all that, but it's important that you learn this process slightly rather than just giving it to someone. I think that's really key. So, you know, I have to admit, as a business owner, I used to think SEO is basically me putting the right keywords on my website. And I think that worked for a certain bit. First of all, are there different kinds of SEO? And what should a business owner keep in mind when they start looking at SEO? Great question. Yes, there are kinds of SEO. So if I can break this down based on business objective, right? So the first kind of SEO is SEO for a local business. And this is usually geared towards generating an inquiry or a lead. Mainly service-based businesses. Think like a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, an agency. Your objective is to show up when somebody is searching for your service and have that person fill out form on your website or give you a call. So you just want that lead to come in. The second kind of SEO is where the whole transaction happens online. And this is where e-commerce comes in. So the whole buyer journey comes online. You show up for a certain search, and then the potential client comes to your website. They see what they want. They see the product. They place it in their cart, and they buy. They make the payment. They put on their shipping address. So the whole transaction happens online. And SEO for a local business is the strategy and what to look at is different from a local business versus an e-commerce website. The third type, I'll touch on it real quickly, is, for example, sites that are looking to maximize traffic as much as possible. So with this business model, they mainly have 
a subscription-based model or they're selling advertising space or it's an affiliate website. So the more traffic they get, the more revenue that they have. So slightly different than what you do there also in terms of an approach and strategy is different. So back to an SEO for an e-commerce site, that's our focus. I would say to be clear on the design aspect, be clear on your category pages. You know, what categories do you have? Be clear on your products, your product images, your product descriptions. So all this matters on the setup in addition to the ease of platform and mobile friendliness and being a quick, speedy website. So this matters on the setup side. In terms of once a site is up and running, I'd say, you know, just make sure that the site is technically clean, that you're posting blogs, for example, or some useful content based on the products that you have on a regular basis. Those really, really help more than anything else. Got it. I want to come back to content in a bit, but in terms of all of this technical information that you've given, now this is obviously quite technical. Can a business owner do this themselves or should they talk to someone like you? They can, if they have the time to learn or have the inclination or have the technical background. It's not difficult. It depends where you are in that knowledge. So one aspect is if you have the time to learn this or you have some background and just build on it, it's not difficult to move into that space. However, I would say as the website grows, then the technical element becomes more prominent. When you start talking about sites with hundreds or thousands of products, it's a very different ballgame than a site with only 10 products, right? You have 10, 20 pages. It's easy for you to see what's happening on an individual page and to monitor, control, set up, configure, etc. But when you're talking about much bigger websites, then maybe as a business owner, it's just not worth it anymore in terms of your time investment. And that's where you might need some help in terms of doing the SEO element or doing the tech element for that. So it's just finding that balance between do I have the time to invest to learn and do this on my own? Or can I spend my time doing other things that are more effective for my business? Right. Absolutely. As with anything else in life, if you have the time and the inclination, do it yourself. If not, because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And certainly I've done in that in my business as well in terms of SEO. And giving that to someone like you or any other agency for that matter takes that bit of my plate or their business owner's plate. So in this case, I've decided to hire an agency and there's so many agencies. How does one choose? You know, because you get told so many stories. I'd say have that conversation first, right? Like, See how that goes, because different people mesh differently with each other. So I think that initial conversation at first is important. Look and see what they're offering you or what they're telling about your website. It's very easy to take a website, throw it in an SEO tool, and then come back and say, oh, we found these problems. But that really doesn't help you as a business owner. right? So are they providing value? Is there logic in what they're saying? Is their approach to doing this also mesh well with your approach. And I think that's having a good conversation. You can easily tell where they stand on that spectrum. Are they just purely sell, sell, sell? Or are they taking a deeper interest in your business and how you do things and what's important for you to measure and improve or not? I think that's probably the most important thing. And if you can see that they are touching on these aspects and they do understand what they're doing, the next question becomes... How are you structuring that relationship? What are the deliverables on a monthly basis? Are you having a meeting once a month or every two months 
to go over these results? Can they show you sample reports of their work, right? What is it that they're measuring on a month-to-month basis to achieve your goal as a business owner? I think these are all important questions to bring in in the evaluation process. And what about KPIs? Are there any KPIs that you can offer to a business owner to say these are three or four top KPIs that they should ask for every time? Yeah. Wide scale, there are generic KPIs, but also you can cater it down to the business level. It depends on what each business wants to measure. So for example, on a high level, you can say, okay, the basic KPIs is all right, here are the keywords that we want to show up for. You know, we have this benchmark when we start, this is where we are. In terms of ranking, we're on the second, third, fourth page of Google, or we're not showing up at all. And with time, how is that progressing? So that's the most basic first step. The second question is, are you getting enough traffic, organic traffic from your website? So, you know, a website can have many sources of traffic. Your traffic can come in from email. It can come in from social media activity. It can come in from organic or paid advertising and then SEO. So with an SEO campaign, you want to see that number of visitors to your website from these search engines grow over time. And naturally, if you're showing up for the right keywords and you have more and more traffic to your site, that also then translates into sales. So are you selling more than when you were when you started? At the end, that's what really matters to an e-commerce website is the number of transactions that are happening. So on the high level, that's how you can approach this. And of course, you can break this down as you go into more details on a business-by-business based on what they would like to see beyond this point. So I got number of searches, organic traffic, increased sales. I know that there's something called black hat and white hat SEO. Is it worth for a business owner? A lot of agencies say, oh, we'll get you this, this, this done very quickly. Is that a possibility? Is that even real? Or is this, as you keep saying, this is a more long-term thing? Definitely. So, When I start hearing, I guarantee you, number one on Google, that's an immediate red flag. How can you guarantee that? You know, you don't own the engine, you're not running it. So how come as an agency, you come and say, I guarantee you spot number one? Like, how are you even guaranteeing that? The word guarantee to me, when it comes to SEO, is an indication that there's something fishy happening. So yeah, that's on the one side. On the other, I think it's important that you're clear on the approach. So when we say black hat, that's usually spam. So they're doing spam tactics one way or the other. I won't say it doesn't work. It will work. In most cases, it works on the short term, but it'll come back and hurt you on the long term. And Google is getting better and better at weeding out those spam tactics and pretty much punishing the websites that benefit for them. So when you hear about a Google update, in a lot of cases, you see certain websites suddenly drop in their organic rankings. And some of that is due to spam tactics. Sometimes there are other technical issues involved. So when you're looking at black hat, that's usually spam. And if it works on the short term, it will come and hurt you on the long term. As they say in business, there's no such thing as easy lunch, right? This is all things that take time, that take effort. Now, you talked about long term and you talked about content and Arabic. So I want to come back to that because I think content is really part of that long term strategy. So if I'm just starting out an e-commerce business or I've just started something a few months ago, how important is content and what is content for my audience? 
So from an SEO perspective, it's content on your website. It doesn't matter much what you do on your social media channel. So at the end of the day, your social media presence is important, but that's a channel on its own. Most of the times, Google doesn't see what's happening on these channels. It's important to have a presence, yes, but when we talk about content from an SEO perspective, we mean what are you doing in terms of publishing content on your website. Now, what can this content be? It can be written text. So, for example, it can be a case study. It can be what questions people are asking. If you're, for example, selling flowers online, it can be different ideas about arrangements or different ideas for wedding bouquets or different ideas for flowers for Valentine's, etc. Because this is information that people are interested in knowing or looking at. So one point or one type of content can be that text content. Another can be image heavy. If your products are very visual, again, like flowers, for example, you could just publish a blog post about different kinds of arrangements or to even teach people how to do their own arrangements. Or for example, for restaurants, it could be publishing a recipe, for example. So it can be a combination of images and text. It can also be a video. When it comes to video, I always advise that, okay, you have your Vimeo or YouTube or whatever platform where you create and publish that video content. But it's also important to take that and put it as a post on your own website and transcribe the text. Because at the end of the day, search engines don't understand videos that well. They're getting better at it, but they're still not at a point at understanding a video the way we understand a video. What they do understand and are very good at understanding and analyzing is text. So what you could do is take that video, transcribe the text, and put it as a post on your website. And you don't have to do this manually. There are a few tools out there that allow you to do it automatically, where you throw in a video and it gives you out the text with pretty good accuracy. So that's also possible. Do you have a couple of names of those tools? that I will make sure I link them in the show notes. Yeah, the one I use a lot is called utter.ai. So I use that for even voice notes. But it's also good at taking YouTube video and spitting out all the text and with pretty good accuracy rates as well. So you can take that and publish it on your website as content. Right. So going back to the conversation of content, there is so many different types of content that someone can produce. But a simple thing would be, like you said, if I'm a flower shop, what kind of arrangement works for a wedding? Or if I'm a restaurant, what kind of recipe I tried and what really went well and how I made that dish? And then you bring in video. Is video something that we should do from day one or is this more a progression thing? I think it's up to you. What business type do you have? What are your audiences interested in or customers? What are they interested in? So definitely video content is growing in terms of ease of use, accessibility, preference on social media channels. But I'd say it depends on you. I've worked with websites that are yet to produce a video and are ranking pretty well. So at the end, I'd say... Focus primarily on what's useful for your audience, for your clients. If it's video content that they expect, then that's where you go. If it's not something that important to them, it could be down the line, then look at what works for them. I think that's the best starting point that you can have. I think you've just underlined this whole conversation by saying, know your audience. You need to know who you're selling to. Who is that one core persona or ideal customer? And what would they like to see from you? If you know that, then content becomes so easy. Absolutely, yeah. It's understanding who they are, what kind of questions they're asking, and what they're interested in, definitely. 
So in that sense, when I'm a business and I'm selling food, for example, I need to know everybody buys food, but food products as such, but there must be a certain slice of the market. There is an ideal customer that loves buying from me. And that's who I'm after. And is that fair to say that I should really drive my SEO strategy around that ideal customer? I would take it from a perspective of how does that ideal customer search? What kind of searches are they doing? What kind of questions are they asking? And can I show up for these searches in specific? That would be a very good starting point. I guess the next question becomes, how do I know, right? So (laughs) there are quite a number of tools out there that you can use to do this. So this falls under what we call keyword research. But you can use, for example, so Google has its own keyword planner. It's part of the Google Ads campaign. But you just throw in a term and it will give you out what other related terms people are putting into Google when they do that search. It's free to use. All you need is a Gmail account. You just go to google.com slash AdWords and you can use it. Another very good tool is called answerthepublic.com. So same concept. You just type in a search or a topic and it gives you all the different questions people are asking around that topic. That could be a very good base for a video to create or a blog post to put out. I think another one is called Uber Suggest. So there are a number of tools out there. The, the objective at the end of the day is to see what kind of questions people are asking and can you provide the answers to these questions in a useful manner on your website. Yeah, I've actually used Answer the Public and my first reaction at Answer the Public was mind blown. If I could put that emoji in here, <laughs> it's so powerful. And literally, it'll tell you all sorts of questions people are asking based on a little term that you put in. So it's a really, really good tool. And I'll make sure that we link all of them in the show notes. I want to start to wrap up and I have a few more questions for you in terms of COVID and coronavirus. First of all, has COVID affected your business and how has that changed your business? Yeah, it definitely has in many ways. So on the one part, the benefit for our business is that we work across many sectors. We're not tied to a specific sector. Our clients are pretty much all industries from local businesses to e-commerce to publishing platforms. Now, yeah, some sectors were harder hit than others, especially travel in Dubai, travel, hospitality, F&B, events. And naturally that trickled down to their suppliers as well. So people around that have had tough times. They're still having tough times. And for us, our clients in that either had to scale down their campaigns or temporarily stop them, etc. So on that aspect, that was one element. But on the other hand, we saw a massive increase in interest in e-commerce, simply because shops were not able to sell in the traditional way where people walk in. So the alternative is to buy online. So with the e-commerce websites that we work with, different ways people got affected with that. For the benefit of our businesses, we work with people across the region or anywhere in the world. So we got inquiries coming in from other countries in the GCC, in Europe, South Korea. So that helped balance out the effect on a business level. On a more interesting scale, what we noticed with 
most of the websites that we work with is a shift in user behavior. So people started using or visiting websites at later times during the day than normal or pre-COVID times. And much more on weekends makes sense since people are locked up consuming content or website navigation much more on weekends than we did before this and much more towards late night hours than we did before. We were also seeing a shift or resurgence in traffic coming in from laptops and desktops and a drop in mobile usage. Again, makes sense. People are home, they're not mobile, they're not traveling or going around and they're using their mobile device less than often. And I know you published a paper recently on LinkedIn where you did a big research study, analyzed a lot of websites. I'd be more than happy to link those in the show notes. And what you just talked about is so true because as a business owner, you have to be mindful of the trends in the industry. So like you said, if now everybody's home, everybody's looking online, everybody's busy on a PC, I should make sure that those trends are incorporated for. I want to jump a bit in terms of coronavirus. What should a business owner do in terms of SEO? Should they stop doing SEO? Should they continue? I think SEO is a long-term plan. What have you seen at this point in time for a lot of clients, it allowed them to take a step back and look onto their websites and work on improving them. Sooner or later, we're getting out of this. The question is, where do you want to be? What position do you want to be in once this situation is over? Do you want to be in a better position to capture that market when it returns or not? So what you can do at this point in time is take a look at your website, assuming their website is up and running, and say, what can I improve on the site? Can I improve descriptions that I have, whether it's my services or my products? Can I add more products? Can I add categories? What topics can I write about? What guides can I build? What case studies can I build? What recipes can I publish? I think this is a good time to factor that in and work on it simply because for a lot of people, they have more time at their hands and build that into your website because that will come and help you on the long term. I definitely think you should look at it. You should look at your website and how you can position yourself to come back in a stronger position two, three, four months down the line than not do anything at this point. Right. So we're saying that it is a worthwhile investment to keep making rather than stop it. Like you keep saying, it's a long-term thing. And if I stop making this investment now, it's going to impact my long-term, right? As you said, we're all going to get through it, but this needs to continue. It's an essential service almost, if you will, for a business. Absolutely. Searches, people are going to continue to go online and search for things. Google is not going away anytime soon. So when people want to look for something, they go online, they Google it. So search is not going anywhere anytime soon. It's here to stay, at least for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. Two more questions, and then I want to talk about where people can find you. So number one, what's the one book that you recommend that entrepreneurs read that's changed the way you do business probably? One of my favorites is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. I think it's a very strong, powerful book. One question that I want you to answer for me is, what does an elevated entrepreneur mean to you? I'd say it's an entrepreneur who is always seeking to learn. It's okay to accept the fact that you don't know everything and to be vulnerable in that and to seek help when you need it and to always strive to be better in what you're offering and better at what you do, whether that's through 
the services you provide or different aspects of your business. It's just that never-ending process of learning and aiming to be better. I love it. You've hit so many of my favorite points in there. So thank you. And finally, Mazin, if someone wants to connect with you and they want to know more about your agency, where can they find you and where can they find more information about WebQuest? Our website is webquestseo.com. You can find me on both Twitter and LinkedIn, Mazin Alul. So we can put the links to both my Twitter handle and my LinkedIn account bottom there, but that's where I'm mostly active for WebQuest. It's our website, webquestseo.com. Got it. I will make sure that these go into show notes, link for everyone to find you. Mazin, thank you so much for coming on and educating me and my audience about SEO. It's been a treat. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darren. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for staying with me till the very end of the episode. You've done it. I've got three specific asks for you. Only if you think that this podcast is worthy of your support and if you've enjoyed the content. My first request is for you to hit the subscribe button. Actually smash that subscribe button so that you can get notified when new episodes come your way. Or if you haven't already, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm and subscribe to the podcast on the website so that new episodes are emailed to you right away. My second request is for you to help me spread the word with your friends and families and business owners that would enjoy this podcast and help elevate them too. You can do that either by leaving a review on your Apple device or just telling your friends how cool this podcast is. And finally, if there's a question that you've been dying to ask me or if there's pieces of feedback that you'd like to give me, head on over to elevatedentrepreneur.fm slash speak where you'll be able to record a voice message that I can listen to and also maybe feature here on the podcast together with my answer. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, much love and I'll see you in the next one.